Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. So, how many of you guys are excited? Just about life. You're just amped on 2016 because you know that 16 is going to be the best year that you've been alive. Anybody else in here? I really do feel that, you guys. And last Sunday was the very first Sunday of 2016. And I gave a sermon called The Invitation. Was anybody here for that? The Sermon of the Invitation? Man, I had fun giving that to you guys. I hope you had fun receiving it or that you remember any of it. But I really had a blast sharing that with you guys. And this week, I would like to continue down the road of that journey of following Jesus and speak to you guys from the subject of the following. Now, all week long, as I've been reading through the Word in 2016, I decided to start afresh in the Gospels. I started looking and reading through Matthew again, through the first gospel there. And I started to think about something. And that was, what would it be like if Jesus Christ was alive in the flesh today, right now? What would it be like if we chose to accept the invitation to follow him in the flesh tonight? What would it be like for each and every one of us to step out of this room and start a fresh journey with Jesus and follow him in the flesh wherever that he might lead? I started to think about that. I started to think about how my lifestyle might be a little bit different. And I started to think about how my lifestyle now could connect to that lifestyle as if it were possible or true. Because I don't know about you guys in here, but when I read the Bible, I realize something. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. The Bible prophesies to a lifestyle that is possible. With God, the impossible will be made possible. And when we read the word, what jumps off of the page is actually a calling, an invitation, a lifestyle that's available to each and every Christian by way of the grace of Jesus Christ. Anything that's in that Bible is available for you to live. Now, I would prefer and I would encourage you to stick to the New Testament rather than try to do everything that's in the Old Testament. But here's the good news. For thousands of years, people were confused about what God was like. But you know what, guys? Jesus came to tell us, to show us, to teach us what God is really like. So every bit of confusion or question marks that we have concerning God, we can look in the person of Jesus and have all the answers and the solutions because Jesus is what God is actually like. So have you ever thought about that for a moment? Have you ever thought about what it might be like to get involved with the man, Jesus Christ, in the flesh today? I started thinking about that a little bit, started to ask myself a few questions. You know, what does it really mean to live your life in the kingdom of God? Right here, right now in 2016, what does it mean for you? Let's just make it personal. What does it mean for you to live a lifestyle in abiding in the realm of God, the kingdom of God? What does that mean for you 
to be a heavenly citizen right here, right now, tonight in 16? Those are some questions that I've been thinking about. And so I found myself studying the story of Jesus calling his first disciples to himself. Now, his first four disciples, they were fishermen. And his first two disciples, he was walking along the shoreline, and he looked out, and they were holding their nets. You know, they were working. They were fishing. And Jesus says something to him. He says, come and follow me, right? He gave them an invitation. Come and follow me. Now, we know what happens. They, they drop their nets, and they immediately begin to follow Jesus. Now, I would guess that at this time, they'd not heard Jesus give one sermon. They didn't know much about what Jesus was doing. They may have heard about this mysterious prophet who had just began preaching a new doctrine or a new message, if you will. And what's interesting about this time is that Jesus didn't have any podcast out yet. Jesus hadn't written a book. He'd yet to be published. Jesus had one sermon, and it was about the length of a tweet. The one message that he went around preaching was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, you guys finish it, is at hand. That was his message. That's all the Bible says that he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's interesting about this message is that Jesus did not come teaching common information with a slightly new bent. This was a complete paradigm shift. Jesus did not come politely encouraging people to tweak their current lifestyles just enough to be more effective human beings. You guys with me on this? Jesus came preaching a radically different message, and that was repent, essentially change. That's how Jesus started his ministry, by declaring, announcing, and commanding that we be transformed. How's that for a new message, huh? He wasn't saying, hey, just follow these five steps. steps. Your life will get so much better. He just started with transformation. He started with change. And he said, hey, listen, the kingdom of heaven, God's realm, the reality of where God abides, you're invited into it. In fact, it's as close as your hand. That's what he came proclaiming. And so here are these disciples. Maybe they had heard that message. Maybe not. Maybe they'd heard of the fanfare. But they dropped their nets. They jump out of their boats. And they began to follow this man named Jesus. Now, as they follow him, it couldn't have been very long at all. They start to hear him share maybe some more messages. Maybe it's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's summarized in that. The Bible doesn't really say. So I take it he's probably preaching that same stuff. But then Jesus begins to release the power of heaven. The Bible says that he healed small pains and big diseases. He had people who were possessed by demons, people with cancer, People with leukemia, perhaps. People with terminal illnesses, and he heals them. He releases the goodness and the power of God. And all he preaches is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Now, I take it at this point, the disciples were probably pretty impressed. Wouldn't you be? If you were following Jesus today in the flesh, and here's this guy who gives a sermon that's about the length of a tweet, and then he just heals everybody in the room, I'd say I'd be pretty impressed. What about you guys? Wow, okay. Like, I've heard some good teaching before in the synagogue, but this guy, man, he backs it up with the authority of heaven. He's releasing the power of God, so much so that what he's teaching, man, it's not just lip service. Like, he's demanding change, and people are being transformed because he's releasing real power with real love, and I need some of that. I don't know about you guys, but I remember what my life was like, how my heart got flipped Turned upside down. That was like a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reference. You know what I'm saying? And like, but that's real though. You know, the first time you heard about Jesus, you received the invitation. Didn't matter what you were doing. You dropped your nets, jumped out of your boat. You ran on shore and said, I'm going to follow you wherever it is that you go. These dudes were average, man. No special pedigree. They weren't abnormal. They weren't famous. They weren't well-known. They weren't wealthy. They had nothing really going for them aside from their nine to five. You know what I mean? He called them in. And he said something unusual. He said, come to me and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, isn't that a strange invitation? I mean, what a unique sales pitch. He really didn't give much of one. He said, come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's interesting. That's a very interesting way to be called into discipleship, right? I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, discipleship in the kingdom looks like empowerment from day one. They had no idea what they would be doing, but they did know this, that they were being called to Jesus to impact people. If they knew nothing else, they knew that by that invitation. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. They knew that what they were being called into looked like following Jesus with a passion and impacting others with a passion. How's that for a summary of what we're called to do as kingdom disciples right there in one sentence? God takes normal, average Joes. No matter where you are in your life right now, God is saying, you're invited Come, follow me, because I want to make you a fisher of men. You have an assignment. You have a job to do. You're empowered. You're connected. You're a part of my plan. I've got a special assignment just for you. You're called to be a fisher of men. That was the invitation. Come, follow me. Normal dudes. All of a sudden, traveling with Jesus, watching him preach, watching him release the power of God. And then as they were following him, as we might tonight, right? If we were walking with him in the flesh, following him. He's preaching this short sermon. He's healing the sick. I mean, things are going crazy. The dead are being raised, you know, maybe like short limbs are growing out. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to walk with the Lord and watch him do miracles? I mean, it said time and time again that all people were healed. But eventually he makes his way to a mountain called the Mount of Olives. And he sits down there. There were a number of people who had been following him. They were starting to praise and glorify him. They were hanging on his words. And he gave them a new message. He didn't just say repent for the kingdom is is at hand. He actually gave them Kingdom 101. He said, guys, here's your introduction class to the kingdom. 
Here's my first big sermon. If you want to know what God's kingdom is all about, if you want to know what this ministry is all about, if you want to know the lifestyle that I have called you into as I've invited you to follow me, here it is. I'm about to give it. Here's my core message. Here's my elements course. Here's my introductory class. Here's my new believers class. It's the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus sits down to address everyone. He said, okay, guys. Here's the point. Here's what this is all about. Here's what your new lifestyle is supposed to be like. And he begins to share this message. First big sermon, first big point. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. I'm going to read it in the ESV. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I want you guys to read that with me, all right? I know you all know this. You've probably heard a thousand and one sermons or at least heard this read somewhere. But let's read it together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, can you imagine if you were sitting there that day amongst a crowd of a few thousand people listening to this, you know, rock star, man? I mean, this guy, I mean, he's like the dude right now. Like, he's on front page, Rolling Stone. Like, he's that man, you know? And you're like following him. He's healing the sick. He's got this short sermon, but it's powerful. And all of a sudden, he starts out by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? You know, you nudge your friend. He didn't just say what I think he said. Did you hear that? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He didn't say that, right? You're like, I don't know, man. I'm not sure about that. Did he say that? Nah. He may have said it, but he didn't mean it. Let's move on. He's probably going to drop a great one-liner in a minute. All right, come on. Bring the stuff. Bring the good stuff, Jesus. Oh, you know, on the other side of the mountain, there's probably somebody else that's highly offended. What? Blessed are the poor. He's reading from the wrong script. I just saw a poor dude earlier. Didn't seem that blessed. He was begging at the gate called Beautiful. Doesn't have any money. He's got old clothes, no shoes. That dude, not blessed. This guy may have some power, but he's got another thing coming. He must not have lived here in Jerusalem very long. The culture around here is a little bit different. He's got a lot to learn because poor people ain't blessed. You guys with me? The poor in spirit, what? They're not blessed. They're nobody. They're nobody important. They don't matter. They're not cool. You guys with me? He's he's got it wrong. And then he continues on, right? Like dot, dot, dot. Okay, he's got a whole, uh, you know, he's got a set of beatitudes right there. But I think it's important that we pause for the cause, right? That was a Snoop Dogg line, by the way. Just remember that from high school. I always wanted to use it. It happened. (laughs) Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God says, hey, here's my big message. Hey, here's my big point. First point, it's the gateway. It's the passageway. It's the initial door into life, into the kingdom. If If you try to go another way, you won't make it in. You guys with me? Here's a door. I'm inviting you. Come, follow me. 
See, this right here, this is what I call the part of the journey that's the shock of following Jesus. You know, you've received that invitation. You've started following him. Your life was pretty mundane before you did. You know, you were just fishing. All of a sudden, you're following this mysterious prophet who's working miracles. But then he gives this weird message that challenges your paradigm. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hold on. I didn't sign up for this. You guys with me? That is shocking. That is absurd. That is ridiculous. This guy's on the scene telling me that the poor are blessed. Telling me that the poor in spirit, they're the blessed people. Nah, that can't be true. It is absurd, but it's where God starts. That has to mean something to us. What do you guys think? It has to mean something to us. It's an invitation. It's a passageway. It's a doorway into life in the kingdom. Now, I want to give you guys kind of a summary of how I translate this passage, all right? I looked into the original text a little bit, and here's my translation. Blessed, happy, favored, and full of grace are the poor, the spiritually poor, and the humble. I give my kingdom to them. They have free access to the realm of God. Let me read it again, okay? If you want to write it down. Blessed, happy, favored, and full of grace are the poor, the spiritually poor and the humble. I give my kingdom to them. They have free access to the realm of God. Jesus announces. This is not laws. These are not rules. These are simple, plain, direct, core announcements of the kingdom of God. He said, hey, here's who's in. (laughs) That's not challenging at all. Blessed. Here's who heaven calls blessed. Here's who the creator calls happy. Here's who the Messiah calls full of grace. Here's who your savior, Savior says is favored. That's what he's announcing right here. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty shocking. Is it shocking to you at all that Jesus would say that? So let's make it personal. If you were following Jesus in the flesh today, you sit down in your intro, Kingdom 101, and Jesus says, okay, here, first things first, guys, you want to hear about my kingdom? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the fullness of my kingdom belongs to them. Is that good news to you? Let's make it personal. I mean, think about it. Are you poor? Are you poor in spirit? Are you not good at being spiritual? Or are you great at it? You know what I'm saying? Because there's the challenge. Is this the gospel to us? Jesus said that this was his gospel. This was the announcement that he made on behalf of God. He says, here's the good news. But is this good news to you? That's the question that has to hit all of us when we read Jesus' Beatitudes. Unfortunately, you know, the Beatitudes of Jesus have been, you know, written down like a fancy poem, you know, on a sheet of papyrus, and the edge is burned with a lighter. A little artistic piece, 
you know, hanging above the mantle. We've become very sentimental about the Beatitudes, right? Sentimentality is the religious way of ignoring Jesus. Being sentimental about Jesus is the religious way of ignoring Jesus. Oh, it's fancy. It's very poetic. That's so good. God's so caring. Look at him. He's good. He likes the poor. Hallelujah. Now to the good stuff. Tell me how I can win. Give me the five points to being on top. I want to dominate. I'm in charge. I'm the most blessed. I am the world changer, the pioneer. Everybody get behind me because I am God's favorite. Start giving me that message. Right? You guys, that's the script that we've been handed by the superpower culture that we live in today. Be the best. Dominate. You're on top. You always win. And to borrow a line from Reverend Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. You know what I'm saying? That's the world that we live in, guys. Would you agree? You know, I, 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 my parents were here earlier in the first service. And one of the things that I remember hearing us talk about when I was a kid is the prosperity gospel. You guys ever heard of that, the prosperity gospel? The prosperity gospel basically says that you are as anointed as you are rich. Now, we know that's a doctrine of demons, right? That's, that's a terrible message. Amen? See, I, I, I mean, I saw my parents' generation struggle with that. I don't think that my generation struggles with that as much. I think that our struggle is not the prosperity gospel, but the popularity gospel that says you are as anointed as you are influential. Man, you better, if you don't have some Twitter followers, I ain't coming to your church, Pastor. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that is sort of the lie, you know, that the enemy is feeding our generation. They're saying, hey, sell out to be known. Because that's really what's happening. That's really the redemptive gift that God has deposited into the heart of this generation, which is to be known and to make known and be vulnerable and be transparent. And when we, you know, pursue influence or pursue recognition with our everything and we become so consumed with social media and our numbers and all that stuff, you know, what we really want is to be known, right? Which is very interesting because we spend a whole lot of time posting about our false self. But Jesus is saying, hey, for you... This is the gospel because you get in. You're qualified. You're who I'm near. You're who I want. I invite you in. Those of you who are not good at being spiritual, those of you who've condemned yourself because you're not a pastor or a preacher or a worship leader or a deacon or an elder or, you know, some other spiritually elite person, you're who I want. You're welcome. Come in. This is the good news. This is my gospel. I declare that everybody who's downtrodden, people who don't have shoes or a nice outfit to wear to church, I choose you. Come in. That's the good news to them. Wouldn't you guys agree? Wow, are you serious? Like this guy who's just come on the scene that everybody's wanting to follow and talk to and become friends with? 
Like, he's talking to me. I don't have anything. I'm poor. I'm average. I'm normal. I'm not smart. But he's inviting me? That's good news, right? If you're that guy, how many of you guys would say, that's good news, right? But if you were one of the religious elites, you know, that wore one of those long flowing robes in public and, you know, had memorized the Torah and you knew exactly the day that the Messiah would arrive because you've got it calculated down to a nanosecond. Like, how many of you guys would think, that's not really good news to me. I spent my whole life trying to be elite. I spent my whole life trying to be the best. I spent all of my time making sure that other people recognize how anointed I am. And now this dude says the poor can get in. He's got something else come. This he's off his rocker. We better we better correct him. So is it good news to you? Like is the gospel truly good news for you? When you hear that message, is it good? Or is it like offensive? Is it like, no, I refuse. (laughs) Because God is painting a picture of what it looks like to step into the kingdom lifestyle. And it's not just about being poor, you guys. You can have absolutely nothing, like financially, and not be poor in spirit at all. And I think it's the spirit of poverty that keeps people in that cycle because they've allowed their poverty to become a point of pride in their life and so they will not admit that they need some help. And the poor in spirit are not just people who don't have stuff in the natural. The poor in spirit are people who are humble enough to admit that they don't have it all figured out. You with me? When Jesus said, blessed are the poor, I mean, I really think that he was saying, blessed are these guys who are poor, who culture looks down on, because they find it easy to admit that they don't have it figured out. Because they've not become entrenched so much so into stuff that they're not enslaved to their things. Guys, you know what idolatry is? Idolatry in our lives is anything that we have to check with before we say yes to God. God asks us to do something. What's our default response? Who do we look to for permission? Do we look to our parents? That's a good idea to get some counsel from your parents. The Bible teaches us explicitly to honor our parents. They're our covering. But do we... So much so, have to check with people and things and stuff. And maybe it's money. Maybe it's our checking account. Maybe it's, you know, a person in our life. Like, what has God spoken to us? And do we need to check with something else before we say yes to him? You guys with me? Because that's what God is saying. Hey, I want that out. If you want a kingdom lifestyle, listen to me. I have the gospel for you. But don't go checking with that other stuff. Let the dead bury the dead. Leave the nets in the water. Don't worry about your boats. Follow me because I have an assignment and a plan for your life. So here's Jesus proclaiming this radical message. And here's kind of the third part of the message. And 
third part of our journey I want to highlight, and that is the surrender. Now, you know, I think there's like the following. We start to follow God. We're excited about following God. And then all of a sudden, the real message like hits us point blank in the forehead, and we recognize the cost, right? But then we come to a place of surrender. We may be in denial for a season, but then we recognize that if God is going to get the glory out of our lives that we have declared we want him to receive, he's asking us to surrender. Would you guys agree with that? I'll tell you a story real quick about an encounter that I had with Heidi Baker in Africa. Some of you guys know this. But when I first went to Mozambique, I was really excited about being there so I could flex my spiritual muscles. Like, I thought I was anointed. I thought I was God's man of power for the hour. I was coming there to preach the revival, fire, heal the sick, raise the dead, and see the lame walk. (laughs) I was like, I'm awesome. I'm a youth pastor. Give me the mic. (laughs) You know? And uh, I was there for like 10 days, you guys, and I prayed for people. I, you know, I shared testimonies. Nobody got healed. Nothing awesome happened in my life. There were so many great things like, uh, you know, going for other students and experiences and encounters. And every day that we went into school, I would lay down on my grass mat in worship, and I would cry, and I'd leave a big puddle of snot on the grass mat because I would just cry out to God, God, why are you not doing anything? Why are you not justifying my great anointing? Why are you not telling these people about how awesome I am? I thought I was your son. I thought I was the favored one. I mean, I'm the trailblazer here. Why are you not lifting me up? Can I get some kind of witness, all right? What's going on here, Lord? You said a lot of great things about me. I have prophetic words. You know, do I need to remind you of things that you said yourself? Because things don't seem to be going so well for me here. I don't feel the favored of God, you know. And so every day, that, this is what happened. And I did this for a long time. And guys, I started counting down the days until I could leave Africa. I thought, man, I got to get out of this place. I need to get back in the place where people acknowledge me as being important. You ever hung out in a place long enough that you didn't have any favor? Doesn't that make you uncomfortable? But it also reveals how addicted we are to power. Come on, somebody. Right? And so we, we, we gravitate towards people and only the people who acknowledge us as, as being, like, the best. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's another sermon. So one day I get invited into this meeting with, with you know, Mama Heidi Baker, right? And I, and I come in there, and I'm just brokenhearted, dude. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I cannot wait to leave Africa. And she's going around the room. She's like, hey, tell me your story. What great thing has God done in your life? And, and people are going around the room, man, and they're giving, like, these awesome testimonies. And I'm getting a little, like, worried. I'm like, oh, boy. My time here is like sucked. Oh, what do I say? Like this is Mama Heidi Baker. Like she's, she's like one of God's generals. I better just put on a nice face and tell her everything is good. But then whenever she got to me, there was something on the inside that just said, no, tell her what's really happening in your world. Like be honest, be real. And I said, Mama Heidi, I got to be honest. The whole time I've been here, it's been terrible. 
Every single day, I lie down on the mat in school, and I weep, and I snot, and I, and I just like, I hear from the Lord like that I'm nothing except for what he says I am and who he says I am as a servant to humanity. And that doesn't seem that important. So I don't feel very happy about that. And I, there's 72 days left. I looked at my watch, and I was like, I can't wait to go home. I mean, I'm a youth pastor. Like, there's kids who I'm responsible for, and I just hope and pray that God would put me back together again before I get on that plane because I have responsibilities. And that's what I said to Heidi Baker the first time I met her. <laughs> and she looked at me, and, and, and some of you guys know this story, and other people were kind of like, oh, boy, what's going to happen here? Everyone up until this point has given a nice story, but now this kid from Kentucky with a country accent decides he's going to come in and, like, be real. Not cool. And then I see, I watch, you know, I, I'm looking at Mama Heidi, and I notice that this tear starts to form in one of her eyes and starts to fall down her cheek. And I thought, oh boy, I'm either in big trouble right now or like, I just don't know what to expect. What is she gonna say? And everybody just watched and she got down off the couch on her hands and knees and she crawled over across the room to me and she grabbed the back of my head and leaned in and whispered in my ear, Blessed are you, son, when you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And then she leaned back, looked at me in the eye, and she said, God is never going to put you back together again. See, that place of my greatest brokenness was the place of my greatest breakthrough. Because I thought, man, I had to have it all figured out in order for God to bless me. <laughs> but the first point of his sermon was, you know, you guys here, you don't have it figured out. Yep, come on up. You're invited in. What? Yep, that's the gospel. That's my good news. That's my message. That's my announcement. You know those people who you don't care about? Yeah, they're in. Those people that, you know, they just get spit on every time. Like you pass them in the street, you push them, you kick them over. You see them selling their papers and you're like, dude, get a job. Tired of you begging. Yeah, those people, they're, they're welcome. They're like my prized possession. They're like the first people. Why is that? Why are they in? They're not enslaved to things. They don't know a lot, but they do know they don't have it all figured out. And they do know that they don't have a lot to offer. They do know that they're really small. And when they look at Jesus, that God is really big. They know that they're not the best. But they know that when they look at Jesus, that God is really good. Those people, come in. Blessed are you when you're humble. Blessed are you when you acknowledge your dependency upon me. Blessed are you when you realize that by comparison to me, you don't have anything. But I have everything, and I invite you into it. You see, in the world, you can have everything and have nothing. In the kingdom, you can have nothing, but you can have everything. If you acknowledge your internal 
state of poverty. And what I mean by that is your internal state of absolute 100% complete dependence upon God for your life. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, said that our inward state should mirror the outward state of a beggar in Jerusalem. Man, that's interesting, Tozer. He called this the blessedness of owning nothing. And you see, guys, that's actually what gets in our way when it comes to living a lifestyle in the kingdom of God, is when we own too much. What do I mean by that? Does that mean that one can't be wealthy and come into the kingdom of God? No, not at all. Abraham was one of the richest men that ever walked the earth, especially in his day and age. But Abraham lived his life as though he owned nothing. Because the idol that was upon his heart in one season of life was his son. And when God asked him to sacrifice him, can you imagine how frustrating that would have been? And yet, he was obedient. God stayed his hand. It was that experience of God ripping that idol out of our father Abraham's heart that set Abraham free of things. Set Abraham free of stuff. Because he was well rich. He had so many animals. Like, that was a rich dude back in the day. But after that experience, he lived his life as though he owned nothing. Because he acknowledged, I've given it all. What do I have except for God? And he had all kinds of stuff. It's an inward heart posture that Jesus is addressing in this announcement. And he said, hey, if you want to live your life according to the script of the superpower of your day, which is to always win, always be on top, always be on the, you know, always be the best, always number one, always the man. I don't have a blessing for you today. But if you want to stand before me and get real, See, that's what the invitation is about. It's an invitation to drop the act. It's an invitation to be our true selves before our created, our Father who created us. That's the invitation. The invitation is to get honest. Without honesty, there's no access. The invitation, the gospel, the good news is to bring your real self before God and be vulnerable, open, and transparent and say, God, this is who I am. This is what I have. That person that I pretend to be, I'm dropping that act because I'm coming before you and I'm acknowledging my dependence upon you. Without you, I'm nothing. Like that passage that we read last week, even when I'm all dressed up and looking like a beautiful flower, you breathe on me and I fall down. Like that's the reality. So God, I come before you. And I say, I bow myself low so that you can lift me up. Let's look at James chapter 4 verse 6 really quick and I'm closing says, but he gives more grace. Oh, he gives more grace. There it is. <laughs> God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, it's in the moment that we set ourselves up with pride and arrogance and to be on top and to be dominant and to be number one, we set ourselves up to be opposed by our creator. 
We set ourselves up to be prohibited from entering into the kingdom life. The kingdom life is the full life. The kingdom life is the abundant life. The kingdom life is the joyful life. The kingdom life is the life that, that, is, that is solidified in satisfaction internally. That's the kingdom life. That's what you're called to. You can't control what always happens around here. Check the news out. It's bad stuff happening all the time. But you can live a life that God controls what's happening in here. That's the kingdom life. But if we're not honest, we don't have access. When we set ourselves up to be real and honest before God, that's where the grace comes in. That's where more grace comes in. That's where a waterfall of grace comes in. And that's when he gives it to us because we become humble. This is who's blessed. I'm closing now. Jesus wasn't even really given a teaching on who's blessed. He was simply making an announcement of who was blessed. And he said, hey, you're invited in. This is the kingdom life. This is what I'm all about. You've seen me heal the sick. You've watched me raise the dead. I've healed small pains and big diseases. I've been preaching this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you're like, well, if it's so close, why can't we see it? Why don't you tell us what it's like? He says, I will. Here's my first point. Blessed are the are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have an all-access pass to the fullness of my reality. They get to live a lifestyle in the God realm and experience God power, and they get to experience the joy and the satisfaction and the fulfillment of heaven. Here's who this is for, first point. Introduction to the kingdom. There it is. Here's who's blessed. Those that lay it all down before God. That's who God says is blessed. Those who lay it all down before God. They, don't, they live like they don't own nothing regardless of what they actually own. Everything is borrowed. Everything is up for grabs in the kingdom. God says, I want you to give that away. You give it away. Why? Because it's his anyway. God talked about money all the time. It's crazy that he talked about money all the time. God doesn't mind us having money. He minds when money has us. That's why I talked about it so much. Because he says, here's who's blessed. Blessed are the people that lay it all down before God. Here is whose grace showered. Those that choose not to own anything. Here's who experience the lifestyle of the kingdom. Those for whom things have lost their value. You, know, you can set anything up in this life, no matter how nice, how expensive, how awesome it is, set it up next to God, it looks like nothing, right? It's no big deal to give it up, walk away from it, give it away, it doesn't matter. God's so big, he's so good, he's so beautiful, that isn't even, uh, it's not even appealing. And that's the lifestyle he's called us to live, to be beholding his face so much so that the things of this world, that the things of this life are easy, easy to pass through our hands. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay. I want to close with this passage and we'll be finished. Matthew 10, 38 and 39 says, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what I want to say about this passage as we're finishing. You know, a lot of times we're afraid to look for God for what he may call us to give up. 
I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to be responsible for what God says because I'm afraid he might ask me to do something that's tough. Can I get a good amen? Right? Yeah, you, ever, you ever been there? I, w- I know I need to pray, but I don't want to. Because I know God's going to say something and that's going to be challenging. I just don't have time for that. I better watch some friends on Netflix. You know? But the reality is, is that Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, we are most like ourselves when we're surrendered to God. Whenever God takes things from us, when he cuts things away, the only reason he does that is so that our true selves can emerge. Who you are, your unique facet and expression of the beauty of God longs to surface. But it can't when we're too enslaved to things. So God cuts them away. God calls us out of them so that who he created us to be, our base identity in Christ, can emerge. And that's what all of creation is moaning, saying, come, sons and daughters of God. That's what he's saying, guys. He's saying, if you want to know what real adventure is, surrender to the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what real joy is, give your life up to Jesus Christ. If you want to know what your destiny is, what your assignment is, if you want to know why you're alive, if you want to know why you were created, that's going to be found on the other side of your surrender to God. If you want to know what real life is, what the experience of a real full life, both inward and outward, give everything up to God. It's, it's, it's not about what you have. It's about what has you. And that's what God's after. I was, you know, I was reading the story of the rich young ruler. You know, he was young, he was rich, and he was on top. I was like, dude, that's pretty much what we all want. We want to be young, we want to be rich, we want to be on top. It's like, wow, I live in a generation of rich young rulers. I was like... I think I'm a rich young ruler of the God. Forgive me. And that's what God is saying. You want kingdom life? You want my life? What is it that God wants to address in your life in order for his gospel to be good news to you? What's that one thing that you said, well, God, I've done everything. He's like, yeah, but I want this. That, when you give that up, that's where real life is found. What's that? Could be a job could be a relationship. could be something else. Let God speak to you about it. Last passage of Scripture, and you guys can stand as we read this. I'm done. I really felt like the Lord said prophetically about this message. As I was praying, I was meditating on this message. You guys, I, I, I'm going to be real with you, okay, as your pastor. I spent... I'm I'm not sure how much time this week, but I I felt like God started to speak to me about this message on Monday morning, and I wrapped it up today on Sunday afternoon at about 2 o'clock. Like, I've spent most of my days this week, most of my prayer time, most of my study time meditating on (laughs) one beatitude, believe it or not. And as I... 
prepared and compiled this sermon, I'm like, God, this could be very challenging. Like, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to give bad news. I'm trying to be merciful and give your good news and your gospel. And I felt like the Lord just spoke this to me today in prayer as I was preparing for tonight. And he said, just, you know, this is a prophetic declaration of how I feel about you and about your heart, even when I give words like repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Demanding change. Here's how I feel. These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be made full. You guys, I like full. I like getting full. I like eating till I'm full. You know what I'm saying? I like full. Full's good in my world. <laughs> I like full. That's the gospel, man. That's good news. And that's the invitation. That's the following. That's the surrender. And in fact, that's the shock. Because life is actually better than we thought it could be when we surrender to God. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.